1: up nerds it's basketball welcome to horse a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses my name is mike schubert and i'm joined by my trusted co-host the draymond green taking a 12 game break to center himself to draymond green being back in our
0: nba lives it's adam, adam how's it going it's going fine you know i don't really believe that he was ever going to actually retire that feels a little <sighs> boy who cried wolf to me but you know what who knows Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels
1: I don't know. I, I don't like this thing that players are doing where they fake retirement. Right. When something bad happens, LeBron, after they got swept by the Nuggets. It's annoying how well it worked yeah. to get people to not talk about the sweep. He pretended he was going to consider retirement so they would stop talking about the sweep. And now Draymond yeah. is trying to act like, oh, people said I couldn't punch people anymore. So I considered <laughs> retirement. Like, I know he's going through some more right. and stuff, but it's like, dude, you have certainly made this mess yourself yeah
0: at least have the decency to be like the greatest of all time michael jordan and actually retire only to come back just lie about (laughs) it but actually do it you know what i mean like i would respect lebron more if he actually retired after that and then was like just kidding i'll be back that should be a thing you know
1: when people make the goat case of who's better lebron or jordan you get like look jordan had you know multiple high profile retirements it's true and lebron has not done that yet it's true he's got he's got the thing but LeBron will always hold the in-season tournament banner over Jordan's head forever. (laughs) Couldn't get it done. But let's get ready to talk about basketball on this basketball podcast in the Teal Memorial locker room. They've got a whole bunch of banners and stuff in there as well. And it's a good time. It sure
0: is. Mm -hmm. You know what else is a good time? Having patrons giving us money.
1: Yes, it's very nice. We thank you all for your support. Shout out to our producer level patrons, especially. Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore, Testa, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls. Bang, bang. Roast Beef Debris. How about them world champion Denver Steam nuggets? Anna Reed. Steph Curry for three after Draymond misses 12.
0: Bang!
1: That was Draymond hitting someone, not Steph hitting a shot. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) <laughs> Hi, Trish, Nicole Shepard, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, who I did meet at a Texas Live show. Very nice human being. Gave me a gift. Thank you, Naked Rachel. Josh Isn't Rich, Sidney Crosby is a Vampire, Chelsea's Cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Balls to the Walls. Very cool. Very cool indeed. You know what else is very cool? I would say having a sponsor for this episode. Yes, and that sponsor is Shaker and Spoon. It's the new year. Maybe you are not participating in dry January or you are doing dry January and you want to throw a big shindig on February 1st as the clock strikes mm. midnight. You could go to shakerandspoon.com horse and you would get $20 off a box from Shaker and Spoon, which will give you all the fixins and mixins to make four servings of three different drinks that all use the same liquor. You just provide the bottle of liquor and they give you all the other stuff, the recipes, the cool either juices or spices or mixing ingredients, whatever it is, and you can make some cool, funky, fancy cocktails. And you get 20 bucks off. The box are about 40 or 50 bucks, so it's about half off if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse. Very nice. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you will hear some ads, unless you're listening on Patreon. Patreon episodes are ad-free, but you'll hear some ads, some of them that'll be read by us and others of them that won't be, the ones that aren't read by us are inserted locally. And uh, once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Horse. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death Adam, what do you got going on in your life? I know you're currently
0: recording this one from Vegas. Woohoo! The Big Apple. I mm. am recording it from Vegas and it's funny as you're talking about shaker and spoon and the idea of a dry January. I'm doing what I would say is like a damp January where I'm I'm trying not to drink <laughs> any any booze during the week and then on the weekends, maybe I'll have a few. I'm also trying to be very healthy, but it's a particularly funny time of year to be in Las Vegas for me, also just because mm-hmm. of the fact that like I have been on Vegas trips that were very Vegasy in the past where like I spent a lot of it drinking and like gambling. And I would say the majority, I first of all, I have not had a sip of alcohol since I've been here. And this is my fourth day here. I would say I have largely been eating pistachios and watching the Bulls on League Pass. So Vegas, baby. It's <laughs> it's, it's very funny when you're in Vegas not doing anything uh Vegasy. But all that to say, um, yeah, I actually had a a horse uh listener come out to one of the shows that I did in Bozeman, Montana, which was really cool. So uh shout Fun. out and and thank you for uh uh, for coming out to the show. It was very funny. I'm, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but I, I was trying to be nice. He came up before the show. He's like, I'm a big fan of Horace. And I was like, Do you want a picture? He's like, Let's see how the show goes. <laughs> Whoa. It wasn't whoa. it wasn't in like a dicky way. It was, he was joking around. But then after the show, he was like, oh yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's got to be a picture. So I told him to uh, to tag us and I would repost it. But I'm in Vegas through the end of this week. But by the time you're listening to this, that is irrelevant to you. I'm still working on setting up tour dates for the rest of the year. So not a lot to report on that end. But I will put a link to my mailing list. And then that way, anytime I'm doing a show in your area, you can come out and see it. Um, I'm hoping for a California run this year. I'm still hoping for D.C. and Philly, and hopefully uh, a few Midwestern dates as well. But what about you? What do you have going on? Yeah, it's
1: all the same stuff that I had mentioned before. Florida shows in February, as well as Arizona and Denver. The Denver is almost sold out. So if you want to get tickets to that, check out slash live or... S-C-H-U-B E-S slash tour. Get those tickets. Did you invite Jokic? Because he loves horses. I should, you know I know I, it's not a horse live show. Maybe but. he would come through. Uh, and then got two North Carolina shows in March as well. Again, tickets are all at those links I said before. And if new stuff comes out on the horizon, I'll let you know. I also think I've, f- I might have mentioned that I was having a Kansas City show in the works for late March. And unfortunately, that one's not going to happen. But it's not Kansas City's fault. It's every city near Kansas City's fault. We Mm. couldn't, like, find any other city to, like, Uh, link it to where a tour made sense. So, unfortunately, it is not the fault of Kansas City. But I'll try to either go, like, later in this year or early next or something like that. Um, But, yeah, that's what's uh, going on. I'm actually –
0: I'm considering a Kansas City – stand-up dates. So, I don't know, maybe you and I can coordinate and you can do a, mm. a TNO show and I'll do a stand-up show because um, the Cubs play the Royals and that is one of the six Ooh. stadiums, baseball oh. reference that I have yet to go to. Ding, so, ding, ding, There you okay, go. Okay, let's um, talk. That could be fun. Oh, and also final thing. Uh, I know you mentioned one of your North Carolina shows is competing with a, uh, a college basketball matchup between Duke and right. UNC. Now, unfortunately, while I'm in Las Vegas, the WNBA is not in season, so I can't go to any Aces games, but mm-hmm. I was looking up things to do because it's very easy to get bored here if you're not drinking. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) UNLV, the Running Rebels men's basketball team, um, is playing a game at noon this Saturday, and I'm going to go. I bought a ticket for like 15 bucks, and I'm going to go to a uh, a UNLV versus, I think, Utah State college basketball game, and I'm pretty excited about it. Very cool. Enjoy. Thank you. It's It'll be a sport of sorts. I, I, I'm not, I mean, we're not no, college to like, boys, it's, but it'll be But it's high fun. quality basketball. It's not like
1: going to like a D three, you know, scrimmage that's true. or something. Yeah. Or the YMCA rec league or something. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's some basketball for sure. Cool. Indeed.
0: Well, that's fun. Do we
1: have an NBQ this week?
0: Oh, we absolutely do. And you know what? Sometimes Ooh. it's all about timing. If you, especially if you send an email the morning that we record, there's a pretty good chance <laughs> I'm going to use that <laughs> that NBQ uh, and But we have an email. From our devoted fan, Heda, the subject is how to deal with basketball heartbreak. And Mike, this, this question is largely for you, but I, I can chime in as needed as well. Message says, hi, Adam and Mike. For almost two weeks now, I've been dealing with what I can only describe as basketball heartbreak. We've all been there. I've been watching the NBA for the past two seasons, with this uh, current season being my third one. I started watching because of horse, actually. Love it. And because I'm not from the U.S. and no one from my country has ever played in the NBA, I had no skin in the game to decide what team I was rooting for, so I just picked the Knicks because of Mike. Hedda, I hate to say it, you could have picked the Bulls for me, but you know what? Play favorites if you want to. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Um, Uh, uh, Hedda uh. goes on to say, I feel like that might have given away why I'm so heartbroken right now, because the recent Knicks-Raptors trade... Is the first time I've had the unpleasant experience of a player I really like and I'm so attached to get traded. I knew it was probably coming when the Knicks didn't give quickly an extension this past offseason, but man, it hit hard. I remember watching my first Knicks game and IQ getting subbed in and just immediately being like, oh, this is my guy. I don't know why he played like 12 minutes. Ha ha ha. But it's been so incredibly fun watching him grow as a player on this Knicks team. And I like the rest of the team for sure. But to put it in K-pop terms, and I think that's for you also, I like I've done when explaining this to my friends quickly was my bias on the Knicks. Since the trade, I've been heartbroken to watch us play. It is, of course, irrational and a bit silly, but man, it hurts. How do I move on Please help me. I am in deep emotional pain. Well, Hedda, since we're no longer sponsored by BetterHelp, let us do what we can <laughs> to help you get through this trying time. And listen, I've been there. I know you've been there as well when you get attached to a player. For me, I would say the the majority of that heartbreak has come as a Cubs fan when they traded away all of the people that I loved and helped right. the Cubs win the World Series. But it's t- certainly happened with Bulls players. I know we talked about this last time that you were disappointed to see Quickly go, but you also felt like it was a shrewd move. Um, what is your advice for Hedda to to, uh, to get over that, that heartbreak that us feeling right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's tough. And Quigley was my favorite player, too. And he was a lot of every, every Knicks, like a lot of Knicks fans had him as their favorite player. He's just so likable. I'm not surprised that you enjoyed him, even though he played 12 minutes, like early in his career, just coming off the bench, hitting threes, skipping and jumping and, you know, smiling. He was such a lovable guy. So it's completely understandable. But I think the thing that you can be happy about is you kind of have to look at, like, the bigger picture. There have been times where I've had favorite players traded, similar to what Adam says. Like, when the Knicks traded Porzingis, at the, like, in retrospect, it worked out. But at the time, it just felt like it was under bad situations. Like, KP forced his way out because of his brother, who was his agent at the time, and all this weird stuff. Like, there was clearly bad blood, and it made our team way worse, and then we were tanking. And it was just a mess. And that was really hard because it was... Your favorite player getting traded and then your team being like really bad. The good thing about the quickly trade is that it did just make a lot of sense for the Knicks. And at the time of recording, I'm going to knock on some wood here. (laughs) We are 5-0 since trading Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett for OG Ananobi. And it's been great and it's just like a perfect fit. I think the way I was more okay with this was when we didn't give him the extension that was a big sign and then also just like by nature of how basketball works like sometimes it's just not going to work out our best player is Jalen Brunson Emmanuel quickly plays the same position as him he was going to be up for a big contract because he's very good at basketball and it just like doesn't make sense from a roster building perspective to put a lot of money into someone who's your best player's backup basically even though he will still play like a good a lot of minutes and they'll still be on the court at the same time it's just like I just knew it probably wasn't going to work out and you just have to take joy in is one he could always come back you never know like we left on really good terms to where he's he's gonna go back he just posted something in the players tribune called like dear new york and i want to read it and and i haven't read it yet but it was like just this morning recording on january 11th i think it was all in good terms the other thing is you can just be happy for someone's new position like he's going right. to a raptors team yeah. that is not that great and he now gets to be the guy and Mm -hmm. he was never going to be the guy in New York because Jalen Brunson's our best player so I think because of the circumstances you kind of have to just like recognize the the reality of the situation and like it is what's best for all parties involved he's going to get paid more money by the Raptors than we were going to pay him he is now going to be the guy leading the offense like Scotty Barnes is like the guy on the team but he will be the point guard orchestrating the offense that'll be cool he will flourish and maybe he makes a return. Who knows? But I think you just kind of got to be happy for him. And then also just like looking at the Knicks, like the trade just made so much sense. And it's clearly showing since we've been undefeated with OG Ananobi, a.k.a. OG 5 obi, because we are 5-0 and o since we've <laughs> traded for him. Our yeah. defense is so much better. He fits better offensively because he's a really adept corner three shooter, which neither RJ Barrett nor Emmanuel quickly was. They just had different skill sets, and that just didn't fit with Randall and Brunson. So, like, it just makes more sense for our team. And sometimes that happens in the NBA, specifically because it is a sport with like salary caps. Like, roster construction is so intricate. And sometimes that just, you know, timelines can't work out and stuff. So you kind of just have to look at the other factors, but also just like be happy because he is going to just pop off in Toronto and that's just going to be cool. And I'm just happy for him as an individual. And anytime he's back in New York, we're going to give him a standing ovation. So right. that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's a really good point about like, yes, you can be disappointed that your favorite player is no longer on your favorite team, but you still get to root for that person for as long as you want to, right? Like, when the, when the Cubs play the Yankees, I hope that the Cubs win every game. But I also am happy if Anthony Rizzo does something good because I love the guy. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's one of those, I think, to some degree, even though it sounds silly and dramatic, like, we have a relationship with these, these guys, right? We have a relationship yeah. with these players, even though we don't know them. And you get emotionally attached. But it is the same way as a real relationship where it's like, if you think somebody would be happier elsewhere... If you really care about them, you have to let them go be happier elsewhere, you know what I mean? Like, And, and I think mm-hmm. it kind of works that way with athletes, and that's why you see there can't be, you know, four or five or six star-level players on a team and all be able to share the ball effectively. And that's why when, you know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Kevin Durant were all on the thunder, like, it was cool... But if they all wanted to be the guy somewhere, that was never going to work. So, you know, I, I think quickly we'll, we'll do very well in Toronto and uh, yeah, keep rooting for the guy. And when he comes to the garden, you can say, I, I hope he drops 50 on us and we still win the game. Yes, right. So that that's where I'm
1: at. And hopefully that all makes sense. And also, if you want to hear more of my thoughts about like the basketballiness of it, Adam and I put something up on the horse Patreon where we talked about the Knicks and Bulls playing each other. We also talked about the Knicks trade since it had just happened. So I kind of went into more of that stuff there. But yeah, I feel you, but let's just be happy for quick in Toronto. And just OG Ananobi's great. You just got to love him. There's a great video of like him and Serge Ibaka doing a fashion thing on Serge's YouTube channel when they were both on the Raptors and he just like trolls him the whole time. It's really (laughs) funny. So you can also just embrace that OG Ananobi is very good at basketball and also hilarious. So you can love our new friend. Shall we get into the full court press? Get a lick the news. I do,
0: and let's do that. Should we? Uh, why don't we start with uh, with a little bit of Knicks talk? I feel like we kind of covered it in the NBQ and A, but mm-hmm. I assume you're feeling pretty good. And it's kind of reminiscent of last year when the Knicks traded for Josh Hart and then just went on this. Uh, how, how many games was it last year? It was like a decent amount. It's maybe like an seven 8-0 or eight O yeah. run, yeah. I
1: think. So yeah, I, our front office clearly knows what they're doing. I talked at length about why the trade makes sense. Earlier and also on Patreon, but I'm just really happy with Mitchell Robinson being out for the whole year question mark. Like he got injured mm-hmm. and then the Knicks applied for there's a thing in the NBA called like the injured player exception where basically if you have someone who gets hurt like pretty early on in the year and they're out for the season, you can get like a, a dollar amount like where you can go above the cap to like replace them. Mm. And the NBA rejected the proposal because there is now optimism that Mitchell Robinson could return before the end of the season. Hmm. So that is good news in terms of he might come back, but our defense was so bad with him gone. So, trading for OG Ananobi, who's very good at defense, made sense. And just having someone who can actually make a corner three is really nice and it's Mm -hmm. just completely changing the shakeup of our team and we're looking really good and i'm really happy it's just been some really fun basketball ever since we made the trade and it is still cool to see rj and emmanuel quickly play well for the raptors so really the trade does feel like a this worked out best for
0: everyone trade, which is Mm -hmm. always fun to see. And I've been enjoying it. It's good. It's also funny. I don't know why it took me this long to make this connection, but it's kind of amusing that the Knicks and Raptors were willing to make a trade when the Knicks are like in the process of suing the Raptors.
1: (laughs) Yeah, super weird. Super weird that we're suing them. And then there was a legit conversation about, are they not going to trade OG Ananobi to us? Because that was always the rumbling. Right. It's like, are they not going to do this because they're suing them? I guess not. And there's also fun things about the trade where RJ Barrett is from Canada. He's on the Canadian national basketball team and was doing well for them. So now he is in the home of Toronto. Uh, it was a funny thing that I didn't realize until I was listening to Shay Serrano and Jason Concepcion's podcast, I believe, mm-hmm. that they were saying, like, oh, yeah, the, the trade might work out okay for RJ, you know. Or, no, someone might have been posting about it on Reddit. But it's like this thing of, you know, you get traded and then you just have to, like, move. I think, oh, it was a Reddit post because it was like the, the Raptors are about to go on a huge, like, string of road games and the Knicks had just finished a bunch of road games. So it's just like in the past month, RJ and... I mean, you'll quickly, like, just haven't been home, and Mm -hmm. now they got traded, and then they still won't. And then someone on Reddit made the comment, they were like, well, RJ's parents might still live in Toronto, so maybe he's just, like, crashing at his parents' place. And I (laughs) love the thought of that. I love the thought of, like, hey, guys, uh, is it cool if I stay in the basement for a little bit? Uh, I got traded to the Raptors, like, which would be super helpful while he tries to find a new place or whatever. Like, I can't imagine... What Emmanuel quickly is going through of like, how do you you just all of a sudden have to sell your old place, find a new place, breaking breaking leases always sucks. Like, oh, gosh, I think everything's easier when you're rich. But sure. Yeah. yeah, But it's still just like, hopefully he has someone that can kind of manage that stuff for him. But, you know, it's just it's a stressful thing. And it kind of explains why some of these guys get paid so much money is like, you know, I can't just get traded to a different city. It's impossible.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that people don't consider is like the human side of it, where it's like, yes, obviously, Mm -hmm. these people are making huge sums of money. But Moving sucks. I don't care how rich you are, like moving and uprooting your life and your network and your friends Mm -hmm, and whoever mm -hmm. you have in that city. Like that is, that is tough. I do have to ask, um, has Walt Clyde Frazier come up with any fun plays on OG or Ananobi thus far?
1: I haven't heard any because like two of the five games and the two that I watched were on like national broadcasts of sorts, I think. So like it was ESPN and then maybe one was ESPN and one was the Knicks game where he wasn't broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do know he he announced a recent game that I was unable to watch, but someone had posted some very funny highlights from it. He said that he yelled aloha when he was referring to an Australian player on the other team. (laughs) (laughs) He first... (laughs) <laughs> uh, thought that the Knicks who are doing a Pride Night soon, he misheard and thought they were doing a Clyde Night, which like we should do Clyde Night and we should have Clyde Month. That's
0: hilarious. But
1: he also called DeAndre Ayton just Andre Ayton. So he had a fun. <laughs> He's having a good good time up there. So if they do know. Clyde Month, you and I are going to the Clyde Parade. Oh yeah, dude. Gosh, would you just get an excuse to wear like a cow print blazer. Oh, Come on, Come parading on. and
0: charading. Yes. Yes. Oh, my That's gosh. That's so funny. Now, I, since, Proclivity for festivities. <laughs> very yeah. nice. Very nicely done. <laughs> now, I do have to quickly do a, a check-in on my beloved Bulls, who are actually playing mm-hmm. really well recently. Now They
1: always do this.
0: <laughs> no, but seriously. So the Bulls started out a, a brutal 5-14. and 14, And at that point, I was like, I don't even know that I can watch this team anymore. Since then, in their last 20 games, they have gone 13-7. and seven. They have been really, really strong, and a lot of that was without Zach Levine. Kobe White has really come into his own. Now Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic are back. Last night, they actually played the Rockets. Also, I'm happy for our buddy Chris Chan. Shangun is is a beast, dude. He had he's like, very good. He didn't score in the first half, and he still finished the game with, I think, 26 points. Like, he, he is basketball. really, really skilled. And the fact that he's working with Hakeem Olajuwon every day probably doesn't hurt. Yeah, um, that helps. Yeah. But anyway, the Bulls, the Bulls have been playing well. I, again, I'm not deluding myself into thinking that they're they're anything, but I do think that it, it does present this situation where they're like, okay, so do they just not trade anyone again? Like, what are what are we doing here? Because the interesting thing is Zach Levine has come back now, and it's almost as if they must have had some closed door meeting with him where they were like, Kobe has kind of become one of the guys now and we need to play accordingly so like we need you to step it up in other areas and i would say like i watched the entire game yesterday i have never seen him play a better defensive game like it's the first time that it's been noticeable that he's like really really engaged on the defensive end and looking to pass more and like shooting in rhythm and not doing the you know carmelo on the knicks or harden on Mm -hmm. the rockets thing where he's just like holding the ball for 20 seconds and then jacking up a three so i'm i'm optimistic. And I I certainly, when the Bulls were at five and 14, I didn't think they would be this close to being back to 500, which is, I think right now they're 18 and 21. They're in the the nine spot in the East. So they would have a a play-in spot at the moment. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I still don't think they should do nothing because I I don't think being 18 and 21, it's anything to, uh, to hang your hat on, but they've at least become fun to watch again. So I will, I will take that for now.
1: Yeah, and especially in a season where there's lots of not-fun-to-watch teams, the Pistons are 3-and-35, right. the Spurs are 6-and-30, the Wizards are 6-and-31, the Hornets are 8-and-27. Like, there's some stinky things out there. Then you yeah. have, like, the Warriors just, like, falling apart. Jonathan Kaminga is beefing with Steve Kerr. Like, yeah. there's all sorts of grumpiness abound, so it's good that you aren't in that situation. Yeah. But Other quick things just to touch on that happened recently. You have the head coach of the Raptors, Darko Rajakovic, just laying into the officials after a game where the Lakers had, I believe, 19 free throws in the fourth quarter and the Raptors had two. It just a lot of seemingly inconsistent calls and he just like went on this incredible, incredible tirade saying like, oh, you know, if you had decided that the Lakers needed a win tonight, couldn't you have just told us and we wouldn't have shown up? Like it was such a good dig. I'm thinking there's going to be a pretty hefty fine for that. Yeah, but I think it's worth it because like they interviewed all the players about it after and they're like, Darker always has our back. You know, like that's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you take it. And also... NBA fines go to charity. So it's not like the worst thing in the world. It's not like you're just deleting $25,000. Like it is going to charity. So last night I saw something
0: that I have never seen in a game. And this is a new thing for this year because as we talked about earlier on the podcast, there is a technical foul if you are deemed to have flopped. So there Mm -hmm. was a call in last night's game where it was like an offensive rebound opportunity for DeMar DeRozan. And this is, Bulls were up three with like under a minute left. So this is a huge call. So they call a foul. Then they go to review it for flopping, and they determined that there was a foul, but also DeMar flopped. So DeMar gets the free throws for having been fouled, but the Rockets get a technical foul shot. And DeMar was like, if it's a foul, it's a foul. Like, why? Yeah. And it was such a weird, and, That's and weird. I actually do agree with the call. Like, it, it's true that it both was a foul, and he also sold it. But I've never seen, like, that feels like it should be mutually exclusive, doesn't it? It's weird to be like, it's a foul, but it wasn't that much of a foul. Right,
1: right, (laughs) right. Yeah, it was funny. (laughs) That's very, very interesting. So he was complaining about that. It was funny. Uh, Other stuff going on. The Grizzlies just cannot catch a break. John Moran obviously had his 25-game suspension to start the season. He now will undergo season-ending surgery for a tear in his shoulder. And then just today, it was announced... That Marcus Smart had a weird finger injury, a severe right finger injury. And he's had some strange hand stuff going on before. I think Marcus Smart had a thing where he like had glass lodged in his hand for like years. What the hell? And then they surgically removed it. That's like a whole story. So just a really tough season for the Grizzlies. Just... Awful, awful stuff going on there. And then something else that was announced that I thought is interesting. I'm not familiar with this documentary series, but there's something on Netflix called The Quarterback Series, which Mm -hmm. feels like hard knocks-ish, but they follow just one player, I'm assuming NFL quarterbacks. They're doing that for NBA players, and it's going to be like LeBron, Tatum… Sabonis, uh, and two other guys. So should be interesting just to have like a cool behind-the-scenes Netflix-type documentary. I'm always interested in that. And I've never watched Hard Knocks because I don't care about football but it would be interesting to see the the players are lebron jason tatum jimmy butler anthony edwards and Demontis sabonis which is like a very cool. interesting crop of dudes the jimmy butler episode at the very least is one that i gotta watch so yeah. it'll be interesting to see the behind the scenes stuff because i like when they do stuff where you get to see some things mm-hmm. but i feel like some of it's like the mic'd up it's just like oh i just hear like vague things of them going like yeah go yeah, or yeah, like yeah, block yeah. block block you know right but i want more uncut behind-the-scenes things. Like, there was that one weird game where the Knicks didn't have their speaker system in MSG working, so there was no, like, music in between. Mm-hmm. It was just like the basketball and I loved it and people hated it and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I would oh, pay it's cool. extra money. Yeah. It's super cool. That was the thing I noticed when I went to Spurs game recently. There's just so much they do. It is constant. It's, yeah, it's so much, much like and and I went with my buddy Steven and he was like do they really need to remind us to chant defense every single time the Spurs are on defense? Well, there's then, that.
0: <laughs> there's like different rap beats playing every time yes. and that's why it's cool for a place like the Knicks where similar to the Cubs like because they're a historic franchise There's still an organist at the Knicks game who like plays it's like, right, mm, 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 right. Mm, That's it's, at uh, least yeah, better. And like sometimes that. they will play a modern song, which
1: is fun when it's on an organ, but it feels yeah. less jarring. But just like the Spurs, it was just constant stuff. It's like, shut up! I'm trying to watch a game yeah, here. It's like,
0: ah, uh, it's super I, weird. Like, my attention span yeah. isn't that bad. Right. I think. Um, oh, I was gonna say. Speaking of Anthony Edwards, I don't know if you saw that interview he did recently where he said that he mostly wears fake jewelry because he's rich. So everybody assumes it's real. So he just doesn't feel the need to spend money on actual jewelry. It was very funny. I'll post a link to it. It It's pretty fun. It reminds me of the time
1: Giannis mentioned that all of the stuff he was wearing in a postgame press conference was either fake or a gift. I think that's the real play is when you're super famous. Yeah. Clothing brands just want to give you free stuff in hopes that you wear it and then get your picture taken. Right. And that feels unfair. It should be the flip. They can
0: afford the jackets. I know. Where where are my nice long yeah, coats? Come I on. You think the people at the Golden Globes need their gift bag? Like, get out of here. Uh, yeah. You know. That's what's go. What's going on? What <laughs> is going on? Did you see the Giannis interview where they were asking him about the fact that the Bucks keep losing to the Pacers? Yes, and that he thinks about it at night, even right before he gets freaky. Yes, freaky deaky,
1: I believe was the uh, yeah the exact term. He's like made these sorts of jokes before. Like he he'll always whether that's like posting Instagram. Stuff about his girl, which like that's fun, where he's like, talk, you know, talking about how much he is attracted to her, like that's cool. He he gets a little like lewd and stuff, and then also like when, anytime he uses freaky, especially because his nickname is the Greek freak. Yeah. It's like, is this a branding play? It no. could be, it could be.
0: But I like the way it he says be.
1: freaky, freaky dicky. He does have a fantastic accent. I love he it. Yeah, truly, I would hope that post playing career. He either becomes like a TNT guy or a podcaster because he does have a very soothing voice to listen to. It's true. And he's just so like fun and jovial and upbeat that I think I would very much listen to a Giannis podcast where he doesn't talk about basketball. Like if it was just like Giannis talking about things he liked about traveling or his interesting history of his Greek and Nigerian roots, like that would be super fun.
0: Yeah. And he's just a
1: compelling guy. He is. So that was Full Court Press. Get it like the news. And now what do you have for you that actually happened?
0: So for my that actually happened, I'm going to discuss a rarely seen basketball accomplishment, or should I say anti-accomplishment, called a cardio game. Mike, are you familiar with that term?
1: Ah, I am. Just, you know, you you got out there, you ran a bunch of steps, but you didn't log many statistics.
0: Correct. More widely referred to as a Tony Snell game, a cardio game (laughs) is a term used to refer to a game in which a player logs an extended number of minutes and records zero stats of any sort, meaning that all they accomplished was doing some cardio. Now, naturally, the more minutes you play, the worse it looks for you. And this came to mind recently because on December 11th, in a road game against the Milwaukee Bucks, one of my beloved Chicago Bulls, backup point guard Io Desumu, recorded zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks, despite starting the game and playing 26 minutes and 29 seconds in place of the injured Alex Caruso. Now, in NBA history, only Tony Snell, who played 28 minutes and 25 seconds, and Joel Anthony, who played 28 minutes and 46 seconds, have ever played more time in a game without recording any stats. And I'm actually going to post a link to an article with the list of the top 10 cardio games, uh, a list that surprisingly includes very solid NBA players, including Glenn Rice, Bruce Bowen, and P.J. Tucker. But you know what? We can all Mm. have an off night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. But look, you got your
1: steps in and... Exactly. That's important. Yeah, if you're, important. Wearing a,
0: if you're wearing a Fitbit, you can feel like you did something mm. for the day, and that's what really mm. matters. All that to say, I have never actually watched one of these games live, and so for today, uh, I feel like recently extended heat coach Eric Spolstra because I have watched more game tape than I have ever watched in my life <laughs> to figure out how it's possible for this to happen. So I went back to the archive, because I do have NBA League Pass, and I rewatched every second that Io was on the court in that game against the Bucks. And now I will attempt to explain how this happened. Okay. The most reasonable way for me to do this was to just focus solely on Io to see how close he got to recording a stat at any point. It's a very interesting way to watch a game, like to just look at one person. You really see basketball from a different perspective in terms of like the amount of constant movement that has to happen if you're on the floor during an NBA game. So it was kind of a kind of an interesting exercise. But here we go. Let's get into it. Mm hmm. The game begins with the Bucks making threes on their first two possessions, and that's when you start to realize how much randomness and luck, or lack thereof, contributes to something like this happening. Mm -hmm. In both cases on the first two possessions, Io is under the basket on defense when the shots go up, but you can't get a rebound when the ball goes in. On the next possession, Io has the ball in his hands with about five seconds left on the shot clock and passes it to a wide open DeMar DeRozan who bricks a three pointer. And again, in this case, Io did everything right, but you can't get an assist if the person you pass to doesn't hit the shot. On a possession shortly thereafter, Io fights through a screen to contest a Damian Lillard three and Lillard misses the shot. However, the rebound goes to a different bull because Io was the person defending on the perimeter, which is just another example of something positive you can do on the court that will never show up on the stat sheet. Like, Io contributed to the miss, but he doesn't get credit in any sort of tangible way. hmm hmm so, at this point, I'm less than four minutes into the game, and I have already decided that people making fun of Io after this game was victim-blaming. Uh, look, on, on back-to-back oh. possessions, he gets switched on defense and is matched up with the gigantic human being, Brook Lopez, who scores easily over him. And then on the next possession, DeRozan loses the ball. The Bucks have a three-on-one break where no other bull gets back other than Io, and they just like hang him out to dry. Uh, and that results in a Lillard to Giannis Alleyouf. Like None of that is Io's fault at all. But towards the of the quarter, Io makes a great entry pass to Andre Drummond, but Drummond gets fouled before he can go up with it. On the next possession, Io does the same exact thing, but instead of shooting, Drummond kicks it out to Patrick Williams, who swings it around to DeMar DeRozan for the three. Again, Io is part of a great team basketball sequence, but has nothing to show for it. So the first quarter comes to a close without Io taking a single shot, and in my view, largely having had a positive impact on the game. Let's move on to quarter number two. Io starts out uh, in the game. He then gets subbed out halfway through the quarter. Finally, with just under two minutes to go in the first half, Io catches the ball in transition and misses a tough layup, just barely. As far as I could tell, this was his first shot attempt of the game. And then on the very next possession, Nikola Vucevic gets the ball in the post, probably should have just gone up with it. He instead passes out to Io, who misses a wide open corner three. And this was like the first time where I was like, okay, this is something that should have gone differently. Generally speaking, that's a shot that he makes more often than he misses. But the first half ends with the Bulls trailing 74 to 65 in a very high scoring contest. And my first half IO analysis is that to be honest, I thought he played pretty well Like he took two shots, one of which was a tough chance The other that he probably should have made But beyond that, he played solid team defense He contributed to other teammates scoring Even if he didn't touch the ball before they made it last And I feel like his overall impact was positive But let's move on to the second half Io starts out on the floor and about a minute and a half in, he gets his first chance to get a stat. DeRozan kicks it out to him on a fast break. Uh, He pulls up a bit shy of the key to go for one of those like running one-handed bank shots. It's kind of like when you're trying to avoid the chance of getting blocked. So you pull up a little farther than you should. So he he tries to bank it in. He misses it off the glass. Much like the three-pointer in the first half, I would say this is a shot that should have been made probably. Um, And in our Patreon breakdown of the Bulls-Knicks game that you alluded to earlier, you pointed out that Io sometimes seems to miss a lot of like makeable close range shots which i would tend to agree with like it's something that um he probably does need to work on on the next possession dame gets himself caught in the air and makes a bad pass that io almost steals so close Mm. to a stat right there a few minutes later io gets his hand on what would have been an offensive rebound but can't quite overcome the three inch height advantage of the bucks chris middleton who secures the board with seven minutes to go in the quarter, Io gets open on a fast break and Kobe White throws an absolute dime of a bounce pass uh, to him. But when Io goes up for the layup, the much taller Brooke Lopez swats it away. Now, again, in Io defense, Lopez is one of the best shot blockers in the league. There's no shame in being blocked by Brooke Lopez. Um, but again, no stats recorded. Mm-hmm. With a minute and a half remaining in the third quarter, Io works around a nice screen from Andre Drummond to pull up for a wide open elbow jumper and it rattles in and out. And at this point, Bulls commentator Adam Amin makes the first acknowledgement of Io's struggles, saying it will just not go down for Dizumu. He's had some good looks. The next trip down the court, Io misses a wide open corner three again. That ends up being his sixth and final field goal attempt of the night. On the very next play, there's an interesting sequence where Io gets completely open in the corner, but nobody will pass him the ball. And at this point, you start to wonder if the team has lost faith in his ability to knock down a shot when they need him to. The third quarter ends with Javon Carter, uh, also kind of a bad player, <laughs> hitting a three to bring the Bulls within two points. And it feels like Bulls coach Billy Donovan has seen enough of Io. Uh, Io does start the fourth quarter on the bench with Carter on the floor in his place. He finally gets back into the game with about six minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. And on the very first sequence, it just feels like it is his destiny to never record a stat in this game. For once, he actually has inside position closest to the basket on a Nikola Vucevic three-point attempt. But of course, Vuce makes it. Uh, There's no rebound to be had. Io ends up sitting for most of the fourth quarter and regulation ends with DeMar DeRozan hitting a dramatic game-tying layup with three seconds left and the Bulls down by two. So the game goes to overtime. Now, the wildest thing about that is that The Bulls never led in this game. They spent all four quarters never leading and still pushed it to overtime. And I would love to, I I couldn't figure it out, but I would love to see a statistic for like how many times in NBA history has a team pushed a game to overtime after having never led at any point in the game? Like that's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, that's, that is wild. That would be a fascinating deep dive. Yeah. uh, Talking all the stats is so interesting. It's funny because this is reminding me of if you've ever played like, my career in the NBA 2K, Mm -hmm. you get, like, certain... Pros and cons on your like teammate rating based on things you do, mm. and you will get credit for some things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Like if you pass to a guy who then has like a clear dunk, but he gets fouled and missed it, they will say pass to foul and stuff mm. like that. And it's always little things like that. It's like man, you wish those things could show up on the stat sheet. Like right,
0: well, st- should have been assist right?
1: and yeah, right. It, it's hard, so it's just funny to like hear a breakdown that really makes me reminiscent of when I would play these games and be like, well, my stats weren't there, but right, I did get a lot of yeah, benefits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. for like good defensive positioning, which I could does be not wrong, show up on the stat I don't,
0: I think the sport I know the least about in the world is ice hockey. But I believe that in hockey, you actually get like half an assist or something like that if you are the person before the person who makes the pass. Yes, they do have. I think that's uh, a thing, I th- right? I don't.
1: I don't know what it's like actually called in hockey, but in basketball, they will call it like hockey assist.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. So uh overtime begins iO is not on the court at this point and it seems pretty clear that he's like worked himself out of the rotation for this particular game, which makes sense like when you're in overtime mm-hmm. and every possession is magnified, you can't leave someone out there who just doesn't have it that night. Unless it's right. a superstar player, right? Like, So with a little over a minute remaining uh, in overtime and the Bulls down by six, Io finally gets back into the game when he is subbed in for Tory Craig. And at this point, it's kind of like an all-hands-on-deck situation. You need three-pointers, um, mm-hmm. even if the guy's having an off night. Unfortunately, when all is said and done, the Bulls lose a very close game to the Bucks, 133-129. to 129, And Io never records a stat. Um, for the record, though, he also never recorded a turnover. So at least there's that but a few a few takeaways regarding Ios performance in this game other than the missed shots he really wasn't that bad like certainly not noticeably so and i've told this story on here before but the only time i got to see lebron play in person it was very early in his career i think like his his first or second year against the new jersey nets and uh-huh. he was very clearly skilled but i wasn't blown away like there was so much hype about him and i remember after the game being like i don't really see the big deal and then I look at yeah. the box score and he had recorded a triple double without me even realizing it. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. But similarly, on the other side of the coin, with the exception of his poor shooting performance, and again, he only took six shots. Like, I don't think I would have been aware of Io not recording stats in this game if I'd been watching it live. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, Io still had a plus two during his time on the court in this game, which means that the Bulls scored two more points than the Bucks did during the time that Io was on the court, which is saying something for a game in which the Bulls literally only led once very briefly by one point in overtime. Having said that, the game went to overtime, which means that if he had knocked down even just one of his shots during regulation, that might have been enough for the Bulls to get the victory. Now, when you play the hindsight game, I always feel very strongly that you can't assume every other outcome stays the same if one outcome changes. Like, that's not the way the world works. Which is to say that I don't think the Bulls necessarily would have won by three if Io had hit a three in the second quarter. Sure. But when you're playing at this level, that kind of stuff does make a huge difference. And if you're a shooter in this league, like, you probably should be making 75% of your open shots. I mean, that's. I don't think that's, like, an unreasonable percentage to put on it. Certainly, like an elbow jumper, should you should make every single time. Mm-hmm. The other thing that sticks out is the degree to which Bulls coach Billy Donovan felt he could trust Io down the stretch, and he essentially played himself out of minutes. Like, it's one of those things where if DeMar DeRozan had been 0 for 10, he's still going to be on the court because he's your guy. But for a role player like Desumu, you can easily be replaced and you only get so many chances. It's kind of the NBA equivalent of when you're playing pickup. Like if you're in a pickup game at the YMCA and it's hard to get touches, you better make your first shot or two, or you're just not seeing it again.
1: Yeah, it's tough. You got to really make your impressions known early right. on, or do something that will give people the impression that you know what you're doing, and they'll
0: give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. But all in all, this was a really interesting exercise, and if it taught me anything, it's that there are certain things that a player does on the court, uh, intangibles, as we said before, that will never be shown on a stat sheet. Like I'm certainly not sitting here saying that Io had a good Good game, But there are certain guys who always do more than a box score could ever show. A perfect example of this is the always hustling Alex Caruso, who's on the Bulls, who is currently averaging a seemingly pedestrian 9.9 points, 3.5 rebounds and 2.5 assists per game. But despite that, I don't think there is a team in the NBA who would turn down having Caruso on their roster because they know what kind of impact his defensive intensity makes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Io, if you're listening, um, and I know you always do, <laughs> ignore the haters. But I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that you have now joined the cardio game list and that actually happened.
1: Wow. That's great. Thank you for this deep dive. That is fun. What a fun, interesting thing. And yeah, I feel bad, you know, you will clown people for these things, but he was giving it his all. He's doing his best more than just getting his steps in.
0: Yeah. I would much more readily shit on somebody who was clearly not trying on the court than somebody who didn't record a stat. Yeah, totally. One, two, three, three, two, one. Three on three. Well,
1: I am glad that you made reference to this because now my three on three kind of ties in nicely, especially with something that you said towards the end. So I was thinking of just like basketball things outside of specifically NBA, WNBA and all those sorts of things, but just kind of like the greater basketball and a three on three that we have not really delved into. I feel like we've touched on some of these things, but I don't think we've ever explicitly talked about some of the best and worst things that you can do while playing pickup. Basketball. Oh. So I specifically wanted to give my interpretation for the three best things that you can do when playing pickup basketball to be like a good sport, good teammate, that kind of stuff. And then the three worst things that you can do.
0: All right, let's do it.
1: So that is, uh, and and of course, like the good will be outside of like make every shot and like play well. It's more of like the little things that we can do. Uh, Do we want to start with the bad so that we can end on the good? Yeah, let's do that. Cool. So the third worst thing that I have is showing up to the court with too many guys and insisting that you have to play together. So (laughs) this is something that will happen to me sometimes at particular courts where just like guys will show up with like a set of five and they're like, we want to play together. And it's annoying because sometimes there's not like the right number of people to make that easy. You know, if we had 15 people show up and we're rotating in five, 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 and one group of five is always sitting out, then like, sure, fine, that works. But if there's an odd number of people, you know, you shouldn't have to sit out Multiple times in a row just because one group has five and they won't like intermingle. The other problem that can happen with this sometimes is five guys will show up and they'll be very good or at least just the five of them together are significantly better than any other team of five that can be assembled by the random. Yeah, because they've played together before.
0: It's like it's not fair.
1: Exactly. Then the random hodgepodge of folks that have shown up at the 24 hour fitness or whatever. And it would be more fair It's like, okay, if two of you were here and three of you were there and we divided it, like we should try to make these teams even that can get really frustrating. And also, like, if you already have a full five ready to rock, you should just, like, find five more people and just, like, organize <laughs> a full game where you can play against each other. Right. There was a place that I used to go to when I lived in Oakland called JAMTOWN in all caps. And it was great because they had they had six courts and some would be just for, like, pick just like straight up and then others you could like reserve the court. So whether you were coaching for an AAU team or if you just had 10 friends and you just organized it and Mm -hmm. then boom, you could just rent the court. And then it was cheaper than like each person paying like five or 10 bucks or whatever it was to do pickup. And that was nice because I one time was signed up to play pickup and then there was a group, and they only had nine. And then one guy was like, hey, we only have nine. One of our friends is late. Do you want to come with us so we can play? And then I did. And then I had the game of my life. And then mm. they invited me back every single time. Oh, nice. So, like, at that point, if, if you are already a five rolling in, like, try to find another five and just, like, organize a game. As right. opposed to, like, completely wrecking the flow of natural order in pickup. So that's my number three. Yeah, I think that's fair. My number two is not calling fouls. Not committing fouls, complaining about perceived fouls is my Mm. number two thing. Like I get that everyone's going to be different. Like I know that I play very intense defense. Some people think I'm fouling all the time. Some people think I'm playing hard defense, whatever it is fine. But there's two options. You either think it's a foul and you call it a foul or you don't think it's a foul and you don't call it a foul. Doing this in the middle Mm -hmm. where you're not calling fouls, but you're complaining that, Someone is playing too hard of defense, or hitting you, or whatever. Like my one of my resounding cries when I play, when people try to complain, is it's just like, just call a foul, just call a foul. If if you call a foul, I will understand what you think is a foul, and then I will stop doing it because I don't want you to call foul every time. But don't give me this crap where you're gonna act like I'm playing incorrectly, blah blah blah, but not incorrectly enough for you to just call a foul. Which like the game yeah. has a way to
0: make. I this guess happen. where it comes from is like, notoriously people will make fun of you if you call a lot of fouls in pickup. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if they feel like what you're doing is like, it would be called a foul by a ref, but it's not enough to call your own foul in pickup, which usually is reserved for when someone like hacks you or it like clearly Mm -hmm. affects the shot. I guess I understand where people are coming from, but I agree with you. It's like, just call the foul or tell me what you think I'm doing that you don't want me to do anymore. And then assuming you're not a dick, which you're not, you'll be like, okay, (laughs) fine. That's that's the thing is like maybe it's different.
1: Maybe it's a me versus other people thing. But even if I disagreed, if you thought something I was doing repeatedly was a foul, then I will stop doing it so that you don't have the tendency to want to call the foul. So yeah, just like, just let me know. I feel like there's a lot of things just like communicate. And like, I'm not trying to be a jerk out here. I'm just trying to play defense. But if you think a certain thing I'm doing is a foul every time, then just tell me and I'll stop doing it. Don't like complain about it. There is something baked into the rules where you can call a foul. And then number one, I think this is just super easy. Like, don't do anything dirty or dangerous. Like, there is a difference between playing hard and playing recklessly. Obviously, the next step of this is, like, don't start fights and stuff. But I think, like, the more realistic thing that can happen is don't do things whether you're, like, pushing someone on their way up or sticking your foot out when people are trying to land or, Mm -hmm. like, all these sorts of things. At the end of the day, like, no one here, especially if it's just pickup. At the end of the day, like, no one here is going to be a pro. Nothing matters if you actually win or not. Obviously, we're all competitive and we're competing, but it is not worth getting hurt over. There is no way in which that is worth it.
0: Listen, I'm at the age where if I play pickup and I go 0 for 12, but I don't get injured, it's still a win for me. Right. So, like, that's the
1: important thing. Like, I have left games early because there were people that were being too reckless on the court, and it was just, like, not worth it. It's it's really just not, you don't want someone to get hurt over this. It's just silly. And there's the complete yeah. difference between playing hard and playing dirty.
0: When I played pickup in college, the place where we played was on the tennis courts. They were like those courts where you can like roll out a tennis net, but there's also It's like a, you know, multi-use facility. But what that meant is that you're essentially playing on blacktop indoors. Like, it's a a very hard surface if you fall on it. And there was this kid who, I remember I was coming down on a fast break. It was like a one-on-one thing. And as I'm getting there to go up for a layup, he just stops and tries to take a charge. And I was like, are you fucking stupid? Like, (laughs) this is not, we're not in the NBA here. Like, try to contest the shot. But like, I, when I went up, then because I was not expecting someone to take a charge in a goddamn college pickup game, I ended up like kind of flipping over him. And I could have easily like broken my arm or something. Like, it's just not, and that's not even dirty per se. It's just stupid. Like, it's not a thing to do in a pickup game.
1: No, there's certain things that you're just not going to do. Some dangerous like that. And
0: others like, don't call defensive three in the key. Right. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Don't make oh, weird Oh, Anytime people calls. call,
0: unless it's egregious, like you can't be calling a carry in a pickup game. Like, come
1: on. V- right. Yeah. Unless it's like one of those clearly they were going to do something else and then change their mind. But just like that. Yeah. I've had people try to call stuff like that on me. And I will just
0: like forcefully turn to them and say, yeah. no. <laughs> Ooh, I want to I want to add a submission for your your. Sure. You're five on five. If you don't already have this one, I think m- one of my biggest pet peeves is if I call a foul on someone, then the next time I have the ball, they call a makeup call on me, even if yeah. I haven't been anywhere near them, just like to yeah. prove a point. You yeah,
1: nah. You just got like it's childish you, and silly. If you're if you're angry, be upset in a way that doesn't like negatively affect the game. Like right. don't don't change the score or something. You know, you you can't yeah, 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 yeah. you can yell at me, but don't don't bring my teammates into this. Right, you know. All right. Let's get over into the good. The number three good thing that I would say it's nice and simple, though it takes a little bit of getting over some awkwardness before the game starts, especially if you're playing with people you don't know. Introduce yourself to the team. I think it's really nice to just like ask people their names, introduce yourself. I think it's just like a nice thing to do. But then also like if you chit chat a little bit, you can get a sense of like, where do you like to shoot from? Where do you Mm. like to play on defense? What's your style? Like you can do stuff like that, which can be really helpful. And I think that can go a long way. Also, all the things that I'm going to be saying for for good can also not only help your team on the core performance, but if you are in a situation where they need to like pick certain people, like if the numbers work out where like a group has four, like some guy leaves and they need to pick someone from Mm -hmm. off on the side who isn't playing. If people like you, there are many times where I will pick someone to play with that I like versus someone who is good and a jerk. Like, 100%. it's so much more about the vibes. So yep. all these things also just help with the vibes. But I just think, like, introductions can be nice. It's also helpful just because then you know someone's name, yeah. so you can be like, Rick, and then pass them the ball and stuff like that. I mean, haven't, be helpful.
0: haven't we found this to be the case with our softball team? Like, if yes. the vibes are not good and you know who I'm talking about, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. does not make it fun anymore. And I don't care if the person mm-hmm. is good or not, but especially if they're not that good, get the fuck off yeah. the team.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I hope that guy is not on our team next year.
0: Yeah. AJ, if you're listening, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, AJ. For the purposes uh, so. of anonymity, we'll call him AJ, which is his real name. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: pull a name out of thin air. I don't know. Just. Letters. Let's just call him AJ because that's his name. Yeah, that's because that's his (laughs) name. Uh, Second one second like I would say hype up your teammates during the game one of your guys makes a shot commend him on it someone has a good steal hype it up trash talk his opponent like all sorts of things mm-hmm. that you can do to raise the morale during it is fun you know someone makes three in a row be like he's on fire you know those little things yeah. can make the vibes great and the vibes can help and it's ju- it just makes it more fun at the end of the day and I think it's one of those rare instances where you can start something as complete strangers and after three minutes minutes feel much closer to a stranger and it's just nice so hype up your teammates when they do good stuff rising tide lifts all ships etc etc I like it. Number one thing I would recommend though is be Dennis Rodman. Not in the more Rodman-y ways off the court, but on the court. Play defense, set screens, get rebounds. If you have a game where you have no statistics. Do the intangibles. The intangibles. If you have a game where you rack up zero statistics, but you played hard on defense and you set screens, you know who's going to love you? Your entire team. Because Mm -hmm. those things are the most annoying. This is also a key thing that I would recommend to people who like are playing a game of pickup but are not necessarily good basketball players like i've definitely played with some people who have no idea what they're doing you can tell based on like the way they dribble and shoot that you're like oh god this guy doesn't know what he's doing but anybody can kind of box out jump and grab a rebound and anyone can set a screen anyone can do some of these more simple things Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily take like basketball finesse and i think this works with like a lot of sports like soccer i do not have the particular skill set to play soccer But if a team needs a goalie, I can jump in front of balls. Like, I can vaguely figure out what I'm doing there. And no one really likes playing goalie, I have found. So this is like an approach you can do as well. Mm -hmm. Nobody really likes playing defense, rebounding, guarding the hardest guy on the other team, all those sorts of things. Yeah. So I would highly recommend doing that. I have made a pickup career out of just like once I graduated yeah. and I was playing pickup in 24-Hour Fitnesses, I realized, oh, when I do these things, people mm-hmm. like playing with me and they ask me to play with them when I'm on the side. Yeah, I, And that is like
0: when I became like a defensive you know, focused person. Yeah. You saying that reminds me of another huge pet peeve of mine, which is when people cherry pick, which uh, if you're not familiar with that means that they don't get back on defense and then they're just standing on the other side of the court waving for the ball so that they have an easy layup. Like everyone hates that person in pickup.
1: It's really annoying. Yeah, it's frustrating. And I think like the thing that you can do instead of cherry picking is do what I do, which is just run faster Just as the rebound happens, like you can do really well in basketball just by running and sprinting. There have been multiple times where people just like think I'm a track and field guy. Part of it is because (laughs) one of the tank tops I like to hoop in is the Rice track and field uniform like one right. of my friends got kicked off the team because they did a thing where they like changed the rules of how big the roster could be. So he just like stole one on the way out and gave it to me. Hilarious. Uh and I wore that. So I and I'm also just like a lanky boy. So I remember I scored like six straight points just from like after rebound just sprinting yeah, and then they would pass it to me you're and spe- score you're a And a someone was like somebody go the fucking cross country runner. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, how dare you? I hated cross country that's very funny. <laughs> but That, you know, that stuff you can do. So yeah, those are my three on threes. Uh, I I haven't played pickup basketball in such a long time. I look forward to the weather being better because until COVID really like gets in the way, I I just feel weird about playing indoors with like, sweaty people breathing on my face mm. as someone that's more COVID cautious. But I know we had some outdoor stuff going on and I was just not in New York during like some of the warmer months. So I would love to uh, try to make that happen this coming warmer season. Maybe yeah. when I can play in, uh, in in on some outdoor courts or maybe the world to get its crap together and we can indoor hoop. Hoo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forest Horse is hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editors, Kensei Suramaki. The website is by Kelly Schubert. The art is by Austin Wakeman. The music is by Katina Kampamanas. And the social media is by both of the Horse Boys.
0: Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Bird, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore, Testa, Siobhan Elsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls. Bang, bang, roast beef debris. How about them world champion Denver steam nuggets? Anna Reed's Steph Curry for three after Draymond misses 12. Bang! Hi, Trish, Nicole Shepard, Chase Underula, Mr. Bubbles plays ball, Naked Rachel, Josh isn't rich, Sydney Crosby is a vampire, Chelsea's cousin, Ginger Spurs boy, and balls to the walls. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore hoops because Horse Hoops uh, kept complaining about fouls and just call them. Just call, <laughs> just them. call them. Just call them or don't just call, call them. Call, call them, them or don't call them. All right, you got two yeah. options. Those are your options. Mm-hmm. Go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, including Anthony Edwards wearing fake jewelry and the uh, the top 10, aka bottom 10, uh, cardio games in NBA history.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the Horse Boys and get cool bonus content in exchange for doing so, such as the bonus stuff we talked about and also a delayed upload of me and Adam talking about his fantasy draft and how that all went. Woo-hoo. Currently you can in go- first place. Let's go. Let's go. Yes then you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops. You get a whole bunch of fun stuff there. You can also go to horsehoops.com slash merch and get some weird shirts and digital things that also support us. But we're going to close out this episode as we always do by saying something on the count of three after putting our hands in the middle. What you
0: feeling? You know what? Let's go meta today. Let's say something on the count of three. Something on the count of three. One, two, three. Something. Something! Whatever it was,
1: I bet it was good. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do anytime I had an intramural sports team is I would say, all right, guys,
0: four on three. One, two, three, four. It's my favorite. (laughs) It's my favorite. It's so good. It is good. I love it. (laughs) See you next time, everybody.